Hey everybody, on this episode of The Hair Game, we're going to talk to Nina Kovner, the brains and the power behind Passion Squared. We'll discuss how potential clients find you in today's digital landscape. We'll talk about making money on influence in our industry and what the rules are that influencers need to be aware of. We're going to talk about where things are headed, and we're going to talk about how Passion Squared can help independent beauty professionals with their business. We're here at Passion Squared headquarters in downtown Los Angeles. Welcome! Yeah, thank I you. I love having you here. Thank you. I love being here. It's it's so comforting and everything, and you know, it's like being at your home and kind of sharing a little bit of your life. It's kind of neat. So, okay, tell us about your journey through the industry so far. Where did you start, and how did you get to where you are? Uh, by the way, this is my home. You said it felt like home. I hope so, because <laughs> yeah. actually I live here too. Exactly. Um, and welcome back. Thank welcome you. Welcome back. I have been here before. Yes. Disclosure. <laughs> Full disclosure. So, I um, you know, my journey is so similar to, to, to so many other people in, in the beauty industry. I went to beauty school I, I in the 80s. Um, like five years ago. Uh, yeah, five <laughs> years ago in the 80s. I was, uh, you know, like so many people, I, I wanted to always do hair, but I was kind of pressured to do the college thing, and that was a fucking disaster. And so... The, the college thing was? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I didn't know that you went to college. Oh, yes, <laughs> I did. I went to um, Chico State nice. in Northern California. I was 17 years old. And uh, I, I, went for, I went for two years and completed less than one semester. <laughs> Over so, two years? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's Possibility of four semesters, I completed less than one. Very efficient. Uh, but what I did learn, I, I, I really found out I was an incredible leader very early on because I was the president of, my, um, little, of the little sisters at a fraternity. Okay. So um, my emphasis and focus and study was partying. Okay, yes. that's good. And you teaching, can learn a lot. Teaching underage people how to drink. Very good. And um, hang out. So, uh, yeah, so that didn't work out. So, of <laughs> course, I finally decided to do what I always wanted to. I went to beauty school and walked in and my life had cha- you know, was changed forever. Uh, however, uh, when I got out of beauty school, I worked in the salon all through school, assisting, and went to every hair show I could possibly go to. And so when I graduated, I became an educator for a hair care company, like right out of beauty school. And that led me to moving completely over to the business side of the business in my third year of of my career. So even though I did go to school and I did do hair and I was an educator and a platform artist, uh, I have spent the majority of the last 30 years on the business side of the business. Okay. Yeah. And uh, working with distributors, uh, marketing, education, events. I was uh, vice president of marketing for a major hair care company for many years. And in 2009, I left and decided to follow my heart. I wrote a book about it and uh, started Passion Squared in 2012. What is your book called? Uh, It's called Follow Your Heart. Follow Your Heart. Very good title. Thank you. Okay. And at Passion Squared, what do you do? Well... As a marketer, and as just a, a passionate person about business, I love business. And I, I mean, I always have, obviously. Uh, I was seeing a trend in the, kind of the early 2000s when I was still in my, in my job at the hair care company. And um, I was fascinated by this thing with the internet and with digital and websites and e-commerce and social. And so when I found I had lots of time on my hands, I started really digging deeper into what's happening, what's happening, and what does that mean in terms of small business? I understood what it meant in terms of big business, but I, I, I was still trying to wrap my mind around what's the value for small business, and, and that's really when I got into the social and digital web for small business, and that was the whole inspiration behind Passion Squared. It was all about social and digital. The bummer was, in 2012, nobody wanted to listen. Mm. They were like, what are you talking about? Facebook's dumb. Mm-hmm. It's a fad. It's going away. Blah, blah. You know, all that stuff. So business was tough, to say the least. 
and um, I, I did several kind of pivots and, and reinventions over time in this current kind of iteration of the business. I've been really focused on since 2013, 14. So it's still very new. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still very new. But I get to empower the people that I love every single day through coaching, through education. I have uh, mostly online. I have online membership programs. I do very limited one-on-one coaching. I do offline workshops uh, a a lot here at Mm -hmm. Passion Squared Loft. And um, I do some limited executive coaching uh, for leaders in the industry that are looking to become better versed in social and digital to help serve their communities mm-hmm. and, and their, their, their clients. So, uh, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So I can see that, that, uh, at least from my perspective, that you're a pretty good link between maybe the ivory tower of one of these corporations, right? Been in it. <laughs> right. You've been to that and you've been on the ground level, right? Yes. So you can, you connect them both, yes. which I think is so valuable because sometimes the ivory tower doesn't uh, like to spend time on the ground level yeah and or they don't do it enough and so they they like to be connected to that so I could see how you would be really valuable there one thing that you talk about that I really like is the awesome client journey ah can you talk about that a little bit yeah so I uh, again I'm a student I'm a student of business and business models and uh, I always have been. This isn't anything new. This is one of the reasons I was so successful in my career as, as, as a marketer is that I understood systems and operations and I could see how things connect and work together. So I, uh, I found somebody back in like 2010. His name is Brian Solis. Brian Solis is, um, he calls himself a digital anthropologist. And he's, he's a genius and he works with Fortune 50 companies, travels all over the world, super smart guy and super nice guy. And I stalked him long enough on the internet that we became friends. And so um, he has been a huge influence uh, for me when it comes to understanding um, the, the client, the customer journey. Of course, it's very different in a Fortune 50 than it is in a small business. But in a lot of ways, it's the same. So the way that I've kind of adapted with his inspiration, really looking at um, what do clients do every day online? And um, it really comes down to four things. It, it starts with intent. I mean, we do this every day. I, I just got four packages this morning. I, I got a little over like shopaholic the last <laughs> Amazon week. packages. And all of a sudden, all these packages and then I start feeling like weird at the front desk when I pick them up because I'm like can you just see that I went on some crazy ass shopping spree anyway we all do it we all do it so it begins with intent I want something right so it could be a new lipstick it could be a t-shirt it could be a book whatever it doesn't matter groceries a, a hair appointment mm-hmm. right um, so I, I, I intent I want something and so now I'm gonna go search for it right so we have so many different search options in 2017. Mm-hmm. Search has changed just in the last six months. It yep. changed, changes like every day. Right. The iOS 11 update Siri just got smarter. Yeah. So I mean, search is Thank insane. God. I love her. <laughs> she and I have a little kind of weird relationship sometimes. Okay. But sometimes she, we, anyways, <laughs> I mess with her just for fun. But so, so search, it could be search, traditional search. It's so funny to call Google traditional search, yeah. but it really is. Yeah, it is. You know, search engine search. It could be search on Facebook. It could be search on Instagram, search via Twitter, mobile search, Yelp search, Siri, Alexa. I mean, look at what fucking Alexa. Yeah. I mean, that Echo. is nuts with yep. the Echo thing and all that. Mm-hmm. So so there's so many ways to search. So, so the next step is you find something, right? You go on this search for something. And, and you find it, um, what, what I call discovery. And um, that's really where, uh, one of the first workshops that, that I ever did when I started Passion Squared was, are you there salon, it's me client. And it, 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 if there's any old folks watching this, there was a big book when I was young by Judy Bloom, are you there God, it's me Margaret. It was like mm-hmm. a coming of age story for, for young girls. And so I, that was the inspiration behind that. But anyways, it was all about discovery. It was all about search and discovery. So again, back then, not everyone kind of clicked it together. And still today, people still are not entirely sure 
what it means. And so that's why I have a business, right? Yeah, that's right. why I have a company yeah. and, and, and a job is because I can help so many people with understanding this and then turning that into obviously a, a business driver for them. So in the discovery phase, can I find you, right? So are you discoverable, mm -hmm. whether it be via Google, via Yelp, via Facebook, Instagram, whatever, are you discoverable? Where your target audience, your clients, your tribe, your people, whatever you want to call them, where they're looking. Are you there? And if you are there, if you make it easy for me to discover you, when I find you, am I going to be inspired to take an action with you? And this is what uh, Brian Solis calls a moment of truth. Ultimately, I'm either going to be inspired to click or swipe left or right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be inspired to hit the follow button or not. I'm going to be inspired to text you for an appointment or go to your online booking platform or call your whatever. Take mm -hmm. some sort of action. Subscribe, buy, right. book, call. Yeah. So where I see tremendous opportunity over and over and over again is the fact that designing that journey for yourself as a small business is critical and understanding and that's just getting them to the business then mm -hmm. there's the whole other sure. experience right. that happens you know once an appointment's booked and the technology yep. that you're using for confirmation you know yep. all that shit and then what i was talking about actually this morning on my facebook live was the offline experience mm -hmm. because there is so much emphasis being put online or emphasis on instagram and attracting all this new business and there's a re i'm seeing a retention problem mm. and i think that for some people that were raised up in the social age, there's so much focus on online, but not a lot of polishing on the, how do you actually deal with the fucking client when they come in? Right. Okay. So uh, you're talking about reverse engineering the process by which a hairstylist um, can, can gain a client, right? Yeah. Put themselves in the shoe of a client, how the client uh, defines a hairdresser. Let's say they have a bad experience with their current hairdresser. How are they going to go about finding a new one, right? Happens so every day. Happens every day. So very, very important to go through that process as a hairdresser uh, you, yourself, right? And maybe act like a client yourself and do it. See design what, it. You see can design it and audit it and, right. and absolutely connect with other, I mean, go be a client. Yes. We, it's so easy to lose perspective. You know, and, and it, it <laughs> for people that follow me, they, I'm constantly getting services done. Yeah. I think you can tell by my Insta story. Sometimes <laughs> I don't even Insta story it because I'm like embarrassed that it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking in another like salon or getting my lashes done or my hair done, yeah. colored, cut, braided. <laughs> I feel like that too. Eyebrows, <laughs> henna, whatever. Yeah. Like, so you're constantly going through the process. But. But it's where I get most of my blog topics, most of my live chat topics, yeah. most of my everything because, you know, really experiencing this in real time online, it's obviously easier for me to do that because I'm online all the time. But offline is equally, if not more important yeah. still. And, and I just feel like because so much emphasis has been put online that the basic fundamentals of delivering an awesome client experience offline uh, may be in trouble. Interesting. We just talked to Tab, uh, uh, Tab Salzman, you know Tab? Love Tab. Yes, Tab's the best. So we went through a lot of chairside manners and, and ah, things like that. Yeah. And so um, all very good uh, stuff. Is there anything particular that uh, you kind of see faltering out there right now? Any, uh, any part of that experience? <laughs> the offline, the yes. in-person? Yes, I, 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 a few things that are, and again, really nothing new. But with all the options out there and being able to be discovered online, it's even more important if you want to retain a client, mm -hmm. you better deliver this consistent experience. So I would say one thing is listening. How do you do that? I hate to, <laughs> you know, we're in the listening business. <laughs> and we are collectively... Not the best listeners, because yeah. we're like dip, 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 dip. right. Oftentimes, just waiting to talk, <laughs> right, instead of listening to the words. It's amazing what we can learn when we listen, and mm -hmm. this is online as well as offline. And you know, when I, I talk about when I'm coaching my clients on brand development and strategy, a big part of that is who's your audience, what do they value, what are their problems. Well, how do I figure that out? 
just fucking listen to them. Mm -hmm. They're telling you every second of what their problems are. Mm -hmm. Like one of my biggest problems is that my hair literally grows as it's being cut. <laughs> and so finally, my hair cutter, Carlos at Sugar Skulls, Carlos, shout what's out. Up? <laughs> uh, finally came up with a great idea to get me my own shaver. Oh, funny. Now, most people wouldn't do that with a client, but yeah. I'm a former hairdresser. I'm, I'm not a complete hack. I still go get my hair cut every 10 days. <laughs> but in between, literally every other day, I can at least keep it tight. Yeah. And um, a client could be bitching and moaning about maintenance. Hello? That's, an, that's a whole content strategy right there, yeah. just on low maintenance mm -hmm. um, products, low maintenance styles, low maintenance tips, low maintenance whatever. And so listening, listening is a big one. And then, and then, of course, the experience has to be awesome, but post-experience. What I'm also finding as this kind of, so, these social businesses are being built, very different than, you know, the old, the old days. And we're building these clientels online, lots of independents, as you know, um, that are using something like Square to book appointments and generate and payment process. Mm -hmm. There's a huge thing missing, and that's called knowing what's going on in your business. What's your client retention? What's your pre-book percentage? These are indicators of awesome experience or not so awesome experience. What's your follow-up? Are you doing thank you notes? Are you doing post-experience phone calls? Um, or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So th there's a there's a chunk of post experience that that unless we have that intel, we may find that we're constantly taking new clients. And as you know, you're a smart businessman. That's not how you build a business. Mm -hmm. um, that's a road to nowhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, strong brands, strong businesses are are built on loyalty, existing clients, and of course, you know, new clients as they come in. But so yeah, so so definitely a lot of things, and I'm sure Tab touched on on many of them. But the listening part on every step of that journey, designing that journey to what your audience values, and everybody's got a different audience. Yeah. Some people may value luxurious, lingering experiences, and some people like me, I want to be in and out. Right. Love you, but I got shit to do. Right. Um, and and so. Something as simple as saying hello when I walk in the door, that matters to me. Right. Offering me a beverage within the first few minutes, mm -hmm. that matters. Yep. Um, I, was, I was in a business that I obviously have never returned, uh, where I was coughing for probably 45 seconds. I was already there five minutes, no beverage offering. Nobody cared. And I was coughing, nobody had a client. There were probably six people in the business, right. nobody had a client. And I'm all, <coughs> <laughs> it's part of listening, right? And I'm all, are you kidding me? Yeah. So I got a blog post out of it. So I was grateful for yeah. that, but uh, they lost a client. And of course, I never got a phone call, mm -hmm. never got a text, never got a phone call, never got an email, never got anything saying, we miss you. Yeah. What happens? Come back. They don't give a shit. They and, don't and give a Shit. And clients have gotten really sophisticated these days, right? Maybe even just oh my gosh, subconsciously, yes. maybe they don't know why they didn't really like an experience, but it usually has to do with did the business give a shit? And that's one of the biggest differentiations of any business because there's so many options available. A lot of hairdressers who uh, are successful, they feel successful, they have a full book. Uh, going out six weeks, they've got a lot of clients who really like them, they've garnered a little bit of attention on social media, uh, a few people are like, oh, you should do more. Um, they want to monetize further what they have. What ways are there for them to do that? Good question, especially right now. I'm, I'm, I, I'm not surprised that, that you're getting those questions. Uh, and you know, I, I have to kind of put a disclaimer on this. Everyone's situation is different, of course. so I, I'm not a big fan of generalizing. And I've actually I wrote a blog about it, the danger of danger of good advice, uh, because it's not always good. So this is not advice to you guys individually. Yeah. This is something to think about to get give a little bit of framework and, and context to it. So so first you have to figure out what you what you what, what are you good at? What do you love? What are you passionate about? Because I think it's different for everybody and. Some people are really into 
pe people want to become educators, right? Some people are really creative and come up with really interesting product ideas. Uh, some people are really amazing content creators and can become influencers and turn that into a shit ton of money. Uh, however, one of the biggest mistakes that, that I've seen made, and again, this is long before social, and the book classic, E-Myth, the E-Myth talks about it, just because you're good at one thing doesn't mean mm -hmm. you can do another. So if you're thinking about this, grab the E-Myth first. So, That's so a book. The E-Myth is the a book. The E-Myth okay. is a book, yeah. And it talks about this entrepreneurial myth that I'm a great hairdresser so I can be a great salon owner. Totally. Yeah. I'm a great hairdresser. That <laughs> means I can be a great educator. I'm a great hairdresser. That means I can be a business coach. Um, we see that a lot. Um, I'm a social media expert because I built my own social media page. That doesn't make you an expert. Mm -hmm. It makes you good at building your page. Um, so it's really important to kind of gain clarity on what, what, what do you want to do and, and how are you going to do that? When you have, are, are you going to keep your full clientele? Do you need your full clientele? Because we can only focus on one thing at a time. So what is that, the impact that that's going to have on your current business? Mm -hmm. What, what's the plan for that? Are you, you willing to cannibalize that for, for this over here? Just, just because of time, if nothing else. Right. Now, of course, if you decide that you want to, if you're an independent, you decide that you want to build up your assistant and start building your assistant with your existing clients and reduce your days to two days a week and put three days or four days a week into your new project, that's great. That's not how I see it though. The way that I see it is it looks so darn easy to create a business, to monetize, to create revenue, that people just start doing shit. And next thing you know it, you're like, what happened to my clientele? Mm. And, and so you're doing this like shit over here because you haven't really focused yeah. on it and, and you're losing your fast. Everything's, the everything's foundation fast. of what you do, you know, and, yeah. and you're going in different directions. And even with the influencer, influencer, whatever you want to call it, um, that has its, its, its struggles too because while you're not literally creating a new business, you kind of are because you've become almost like a full-time content creator mm -hmm. depending on your contracts. Mm -hmm. And uh, what can happen is that, again, you're putting so much energy here, it begins to feel like work. And then it's no fun anymore. Mm. Or you are disillusioned by these brand partnerships that you've made that aren't so pretty when you peek behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. um, or you're not following the rules. I just I post about this all the time. And the FTC nabs you and you get sued. Yes. You're segueing into my next oh, question. Oh. You just, yeah, we're on the same page. <laughs> So my next question, uh, my next question is, what does Instagram want influencers to do? Uh, what are influencers doing, and, and what do you suggest they do? Well, <laughs> I suggest uh, <laughs> I am really passionate about this topic. I know, only because so, I've been talking well, about it for over two years. Let's and start with Instagram. Nobody what is fucking Insta listens. What are the rules? Okay, the rules of Instagram as of now, as of this recording, is that there's now a branded content tag. And it's being rolled out, and you have to tag. You have to tag the brand, you have to disclose. If you don't have that option on your Instagram, then it's not really an Instagram rule, it becomes the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission. That is, you have to disclose your partnerships and your relationships. You have to use hashtag ad. You cannot hide it in a sea of hashtags. So hold it has on. to so be you, prominent. You have to hashtag the brand and hashtag ad? Hashtag ad is AD. what? AD. Yeah. Hashtag AD. And you know, people make fun of the Kardashians all the time, but they're the only ones actually, not the only ones. They are some of the only ones actually doing it the right way. Mm. And the first thing you see is you see hashtag ad, then they tell their little story or their little pitch. So it has to be uh, prominent. It can't be hidden, buried under a story, buried under see more, any of that. It just mm. cannot. And, and so those are the rules. And now Facebook actually has a content, branded content creator tag as well. And that is against terms of, terms of service if you don't use it. So, but all that aside, what matters more than the law or the rules <laughs> is the, the trust. Yes, with the audience. With your audience, and if you aren't proud, if, if it makes you uncomfortable to say you've been paid to talk about something that you love, then you need to check yourself. Mm -hmm. 
because you may have sold your soul to the fucking devil. Mm -hmm. If you, let's say you were going to pay me to do something for Salon Republic. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be embarrassed by that. I would be like, this is so cool. I partnered with Salon Republic. Mm -hmm. I love them. This is what I love about them. Eric's awesome. Blah, 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 blah. Hashtag ad. Hashtag ad. Why would I be embarrassed or feel weird about disclosing a paid uh, post relationship? So why don't, why don't influencers do it? I think that it's honestly lack of knowledge. I don't think it's malicious. I don't think most of what people do is malicious. Um, but what I do know is that you may have heard about it. You may have actually read one of my blogs or videos or Insta stories or multiple posts on my Instagram and just ignored it. Just thought maybe it doesn't apply to you. Um, or just aren't paying attention. But the thing is, as an influencer, you're a business person. Mm -hmm. And if you're not prepared to be a business person, then stop it. Mm -hmm. Or get some, get help, right? right. Um, find a coach. Mm -hmm. <coughs> because it's serious, it's a serious business. Right. Just like anything else. And, and my biggest concern is always trust. And, and it's already happening in the professional beauty industry. I'm already seeing a lack of trust. I get people asking me questions all the time in my DMs. Not the influencers, their okay. followers. Right. So you, you get lack of, lack of trust from the followers to the influencers? Yes. Followers saying that, you know, this, this guy that I follow, I, I think he's just bought and paid for, and that's why he's doing it, and it's not, he doesn't authentically think that that product is the best. Or it's just so many different products, right? Mm. People get into bed with everybody, mm -hmm. and next thing you know, it, all you're doing is One talking day about- One it's this person- I love this shampoo, right. and I love, oh, I love this shampoo, right. and I love this shampoo, and it's like- Wait, last week you liked there, that one. Yeah, but yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. If it fits your brand, it fits your voice, and your community, is yeah. fully aware of your relationship if it is pay for play. Right, okay. If it's pay for play. So the influencer thing has obviously been a trend. It's been growing. Is there any other sort of trends, things happening in the business that you see strengthening, you know, getting more prevalent going forward? Um, yeah, you know, this is kind of, this is an interesting, an interesting thing that I'm seeing because this is both strengthening and, and not strengthening. Whatever, the, what's the weakening? Okay. I'm like, what's the opposite <laughs> of strengthening? Remember, I didn't finish a lot of my college, right? <laughs> we uh, don't like to think about weakening. It's positive. We like to keep it positive. I'm, I'm totally kidding. Yeah, no, it's positive. <laughs> it's super positive. So, you know, a, as this kind of Instagram explosion happened over the last handful of years, we saw a bunch of these independent educators, mm. which ironically are now so not independent because they've all partnered with brands. Right, <laughs> because that's where the money is. Right? I want to stay away from brands. I'm independent. Right. Fuck brands. And then it's right. like, wait a minute. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fuck brands. <laughs> right. They're giving you five grand a month right. <laughs> to pitch their shit on your right. Instagram. So more power to you. Get your money. Yeah. Get your money. Right. But anyway, so education. So this big kind of explosion of this independent education, anyone can be an educator. I love that. I love that the internet has democratized this and given these opportunities to people. I think mm -hmm. it's fabulous. Yeah. However, just like any business or any trends or anything, the quality, the cream rises to the top. Right. And, and, I, and, and what I've experienced and what my clients are telling me and what the industry is telling me because I'm a good listener, mm -hmm is um, there's been a significant amount of disappointment in these Instagram educator people, likely because they just don't have a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as someone that came from traditional education background, uh, I went through a lot of training. And people always say to me, how did you get so good at talking and presenting and on video and so comfortable? And it's because I trained my ass off. And over, I over a period of years. Over a period of years. And I'm not saying it's going to take everyone years, but I went through years. Of, I probably did 500 in-salon classes alone. I mean, literally, for $35 a class. Hmm. Wait, you're getting only $35 a class. Yeah, that, that's work, yeah. Uh, 
video training. We used to have to do so much video training and at VHS. It was all on VHS. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I'm young enough to remember. Or old enough. I'm old Anyways, enough to remember. Anyways, so, so that... So, so, so that's happening. But what I'm seeing, which is so inspiring, is I'm seeing that cream rise to the top. And I'm seeing uh, still an incredible opportunity for people that want to build something of value for um, the community when it comes to education. But... Uh, as many learn, it's it, it, it's just like any other business, yeah. and it's a lot of work and a lot of investment and a lot of time, and it's very hard. I travel. People ask me all the time, "Why are you going to be at this show and that show and this event?" And I'm like, "Fuck no!" <laughs> and it's not because I don't love people; it's because I already went to all of them like nine trillion times. Yeah. I was on the road for 25 years. Yeah. One of the reasons I created an online business was so I could live a quiet life in one place. Mm -hmm. I've traveled the world. I've already done all that. So um, people c are finding that this is hard. <laughs> and the market judges, right? Yeah. The market Always. judges and, and over time the, the cream is going to rise and, uh, and, and the best will be up there and they'll, they'll have the most attention when it comes to independent education. Yes, and again there's so much opportunity and I, I love that. Me too. I love that that opportunity exists because I know how many Beauty professionals are passionate about wanting to become educators and so generous and, and um, committed to empowering others. And it, it's, I, I love it. It's one of my favorite things to watch, mm -hmm. quite frankly. However, um, again, back to the e-myth, just because you're a good hairdresser doesn't mean you're a good educator. Totally. Uh, and it doesn't mean you can't be one. It's just it's a little more complicated than that. All right. So we talked about trends that, that uh, you think are going to continue or, or strengthen. What about, um, let's, let's take the opportunity for, for you to put on the record any predictions. Any predictions of trends that could begin uh, in the near future and become very strong. With all the thinking that you do about this business, what, what do you see happening? It could be the next year, five years, ten years. What, where do you see things going? I see not predicting. <laughs> oh, come on. Take the opportunity. Um, seize it. Yeah, I don't know if it's called predicting. It, I, I think it, it's more Foresight. about... Yeah, what I see. So, so what I'm seeing, what I believe is, is you know, I, as you know, again, there's been such a... There's been this independent movement, which is awesome. Uh, but <laughs> at the same time, I believe that there's going to be a little wake-up call for some of these people that haven't, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, haven't really solidified their business in a way that's sustainable over mm -hmm. time. And so I, 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 I sadly still see more and more employee-based salons just throwing in the towel. I don't think that's going to always be that way. Because I, I, I still believe that, that there is a, a group of people out there that are looking for leadership. Mm -hmm. And even though environments like Salon Republic have incredible spaces and, and you work so hard to create um, community and all the activities and education and just everything that you guys do, not everyone's meant for that mm -hmm. environment I, as you For know. the record, I agree. Yeah, I know you do. Again, you know, yeah, it's not about social media. It's not about any one thing. It really is a, a, a bunch of a, a bunch of little things. And and also, um, and 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 also, you know, I look at my generation because I'm going to be 51. I'm probably already 51 when this airs. Um, I've been around a long time, and and so a lot of the leaders in our industry that have been the leadership leaders and employee-based salon leaders. They're getting ready to retire mm. sometime soon. Yeah. So now I, I'm, I'm a typical Libra, so now I'm going to completely contradict myself and say, I see that happening. But here's what I also see happening, which is fascinating to me. What I am beginning to see, I'm just beginning to see it, is these independents mm. are wanting to open traditional employee-based salons. Mm -hmm. Not like, wait a minute.
already done this. Mm-hmm. And so as, as I'm watching this, it, it's interesting to me, and it, it's so much for the same reasons that the whole independent movement started, which was, again, you can, everyone's got an opinion. I, I just know what I know. Um, lack of leadership, right? Uh, it used to be called poor commission management, whatever you want to call it. Um, but obviously, we, we quit leaders. We quit cultures, right? So if there's no culture, people are going to move on. Uh, but what I'm seeing now is that these independents, the one, not, again, not all of them, but the ones that are opening salons, I'm seeing more and more trickle up that are opening a more traditional salon. I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah. I, 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 because well, I, it's not the same. And, you know, it, it, it I don't know. It's, it, it's, I don't know. It goes back to the book that you mentioned before, right? The E-Myth. The E-Myth. Are you, is being a good hairdresser the same as being a good salon owner? I, you know, from a business person's standpoint, I, I look at a traditional salon and all of the things that they are trying to achieve and I do not envy that Oh role. my gosh, I, I could not imagine trying to be a good hairdresser behind the chair, maintaining a clientele, being, a, being the marketing president for the salon, uh, managing the relationship with the landlord. Primary um, the revenue generator. Primary re- revenue generator, the social media maven, um, the, the leader, you know, the inspirational leader for the team, the trainer, the hire her. I mean, how does any one person do this? And some people have done it very well. And I'm like, wow, hats off. I bow to you. It's rare. Usually the ones that have done it well, though, are building infrastructures along the way. Oh, yes. All but, of but the, that's a skill. Uh, most definitely. The other ones that really didn't do it are usually gone. Mm-hmm. Because it's not sustainable. Sure. Of course, in the beginning, all that elbow grease and all that. But in order to sustain uh, a healthy culture, a strong brand, and do everything that needs to be done, you have to build some sort of infrastructure and tap into leadership, tap into HR, tap into accountants and finance people and ops people and, you know, education, whatever. You, you, Mm -hmm. you, You can't. You can't do it all. So anyways, so it's, it's not, this isn't anything new, but my prediction is, sadly, it's a lot of the same. Yeah. <laughs> the cream is going to rise to the top. The, 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 I love the professional beauty industry. I've spent my whole life in it. We don't like to own our mistakes. <laughs> we don't seem to learn always the lessons <laughs> of our forefathers. And I see a lot of repetitive yeah. shit. But aren't the options beautiful? Out, yes. I mean, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be in any other industry ever, never, never, obviously. But um, sometimes we need to be kicked in the mouth yeah. a few times right. to, to, or the head or whatever the saying goes. Like, sounded so violent. I'm so nonviolent. <laughs> But, Nobody's you know, kicking anyone in the head. No, I would never. But, you know, we all <laughs> learn lessons differently. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I... Self-awareness is super important. I don't see yeah. a lot of self-awareness. I know. That's why I say it's so important. <laughs> and, you know, our, our, our position is that I, I watch all this and I see it happening and, and I'm trying to bridge the gap. You know, every day, you know, between, uh, between this kind of salon and that kind of salon. And I'm trying to make it so that a larger percentage of hairdressers can be happy and succeed at Salon Republic, no matter whether they want to be more independent or a little bit less independent. You have a solution to a problem. You know, you're filling a need and, and, and I admire that. And I know that there's still people in the professional beauty industry that hate on independence and I, I hope by now in 2017 they've realized it's an old fucking narrative yeah. and just let it go right you know absolutely let's love everybody okay so how so, about that yeah, I'm down so what you offer is so apropos to what's going on in the industry right with all the independence and all of the different options of how to work in the industry and here here you are a coach available for people who want to go in different directions and, and learn. So let's talk about the specifics of the things that you offer people. Uh, okay. What a beautiful way of presenting that. Well, thank you. That. 
I have online coaching and some offline coaching. So online, I have two programs. Uh, one that I open up twice a year called A School. It stands for Awesome, Awesome School, and it's exclusively for owners. When you say twice a year, it, it, enrollment? Enrollment. Okay. It enrolls twice a year. It's closed right now as we're filming, but it'll open back up in January. It is for owners. It's a very, very small, I keep it small, and um, it, we focus on leadership, brand development, online and offline marketing, and personal empowerment, mm. because that is a big deal to me. Right, the head. So that's my awesome school. And then I just launched a new program called Social Beauty Intelligence. Mm. And that is for anyone okay. in the creative world that wants to learn more about how social and digital can empower their brand. And so... Anyone um, in, the, in the creative world? Anyone. Artists, singers, anyone. A, a painter. I have a lot of hair peeps, of that, course. Of course. But, that's um, cool, though. This, the same information applies. It's yeah. not unique. Um, I just do best working with creative folks. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I like to keep my audience, you know, narrow in, in, in that way, but they're both membership subscription programs. And uh, the reason that I create membership subscription programs is that the biggest problem that I've always seen and, and that exists with creative folks is that we go to an event, a hair show, go see a motivational talk, we get all geeked out, and mm -hmm. then we don't do shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> On the drive home, you're like, yeah, oh, that was so fucking so rad. I'm going to do this, and I have 90 things on my to-do list, yes. And the next day, it's like, wah, Netflix. Wah, Netflix. Wah. <laughs> so by creating these membership <laughs> programs, these tribes, it's, it, it, it's one way to be hold, held accountable. Right. It's another, let me, I'm in your face every day, because there's a lot of, there's secret Facebook groups and membership sites and stuff like that. So I price it to where it's super manageable. There's no reason to ever leave, and I don't want you to leave because I want you to be held accountable. Okay. I want you to have someone there for you whenever you need to help you stay on track. So um, those are those are two of my online coaching things. I do very limited one-on-one -on -one coaching. I don't advertise it. I don't talk about it. Um, usually with existing clients. Okay. I, I, I do that as well. And offline. Oh, I also have another online subscription. Hold I, on. Yeah. So, so A School is just for salon owners. More expensive. It's a. It's what a like six month deal. It's forever. It's forever. Oh, oh, but enrollment is twice yeah. a year. Got it. And People then, never leave. <laughs> that's good. That's good. And then the the other one is less expensive. Yeah. More attainable for like your average Anybody. independent hairdresser. Yeah. Okay. Anyone with within my audience. Okay. Because I. I was really only providing one online solution and it was for owners, but I have a larger audience. Right. And so um, that's and, why I created the second program. And so would you consider an independent hairdresser uh, that has their own studio or small salon, you know, with one or two hairdressers in the salon, would that be an A-school candidate? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. And, and then your second product is, is for... Yeah, any creative. Yeah, so it, it, you know, there's a lot of owners out there that have teams that they want to tap into right. the power of social and digital. It's great for teams, you know, it's awesome for teams. Mm -hmm. Or owners that don't need A school, that are in some sort of other leadership marketing program, mm -hmm. but want to come to, you know, to me for social and digital and brand development. Okay. There really isn't anyone in the industry that really understands brand development like I do. Yeah. And I'm really confident saying that because I've developed several hundred million dollar brands Absolutely for true. the last 25 yep. years. So, 100%. Um, so brand development is in everything that I do. And so some people maybe are working with a leadership coach or a culture coach or operations coach, finance coach. I don't do any of, any yeah. of operations finance. I refer all my clients out to people when it comes to that. But okay. for brand, for yeah. marketing, that's where I've, obviously I want people to come to me. I also have a morning text message program. Yep which is personal, really personal empowerment centered. And, and, then, and your price on that? It's $5 very a month. Very affordable, five yeah, bucks a month, like why wouldn't you do it? Right? I know, it's crazy. And you get a text every morning from me, yeah. uh, which is super cool. And one of my most loved programs, I, I don't talk about it again. I, I'm not a big self promoter. Uh, I, my marketing strategy has always been fairly quiet, but I like it that way because it's how I enjoy building my clientele. I didn't sell everything I own. Cut my paycheck by in half, not more, in by, what's this? I make like 99% less than I used to. <laughs> Let me put it that way. 
walked away from all the retirement. I didn't do all that. But it's about work happiness, with, isn't To work it? with people that I don't fucking love. Right. And so that's why I'm very careful in how I market stuff. And it's great because our content is our marketing and, and we get to shape, you know, how we build audience. And so my stuff, I do it kind of quiet, you know. So offline, I do workshops. I probably do four to six workshops a year. Okay. Uh, next year, they're almost exclusively going to be here in Los Angeles okay. in downtown LA at the Passion Squared Loft. Okay. There's going to be one-day workshops and two-day workshops. Um, and again, business development, marketing, storytelling, Right. Uh, next year, I'm going to be working on a client experience, awesome client journey workshop. So, um, yeah. And then I do some talks for, you know, every now and again. I show up at a couple events in the industry, but not, not very much. And so these are ways for, for people to go through the, like, for example, the awesome client journey on a more specific basis, Yes, right? yeah. Okay. Both A school and yeah. social media intelligence. I, I, I speak to that in everything that I do. Okay, so how can people find you? PassionSquared.net is home base for me, uh, at PassionSquared on Instagram, PassionSquared on Facebook, Nina L. Kovner on Facebook, that's my personal page. Um, yeah. So awesome. You're such a blessing for the industry, seriously. You're a blessing. <laughs> no, for real. Love it. I can't believe it took me this long to meet you. We just met like what, like two years ago? Something like that. It's so absurd. Yeah. Seriously. And, and for the record, for everyone listening, that this was this was a point in in my career where I could take a little bit of time to start connecting to the industry where I didn't really have those opportunities before. So I was able to build, you know, my home office to take care of certain things, and I was able to get out and meet people like Nina. And so I've, you know, in the concerted effort to get my ass off the couch <laughs> on, a, on a, a Saturday night, I think it was, when, when we met um, uh, at the Marriott, you know, by uh, LAX, at, at the um, hair colorist. Yes, You're, ABCH. ABCH. You, you yes. were on a um, social media panel yes. with Gordon yes. and Carlos yep. and a couple other people. Yeah, Lowe and, and Alexis. And, and I was sitting on the couch and I'm like, the, the last thing I want to do right now is, is get up and, you know, it's dark outside. Right, I want to I have fun with my wife here, you know, and watch this TV show. But I, I got off the couch and, and I went to see so your glad. talk. And, um, and I'm so glad that I did because it taught me, I taught myself by doing that, the value of, you know, kind of a long-term benefit from maybe a short-term, I don't really want to do this. Yeah, and you know, and, and it, it, I'm so glad you brought that up because, again, another kind of social media misunderstanding is is that everything happens here. Right. But the, the thing is, everything starts here maybe these days. Right. Not everything, totally. but a lot starts here. 100%. But look at us now. Yeah. We're sitting face to face and, you know, it's like, it's relationship building 101 shit and it's just like online dating or whatever, yep. you know. Ultimately, right. you know, we, we are going to take this relationship offline and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. I love getting together with my clients offline. I do lots of meetups with my A-schoolers, mm -hmm. um, have a lot of visitors here in downtown LA at the loft when people are in town and visiting. If I'm available, I always love having people over. Uh, it, it's one of my greatest joys mm -hmm. to connect with all these online relationships that mm -hmm. I have. Um, and take them offline. So I'm glad you made that decision. It feels like closing the loop, right? If this is the beginning of the loop, when you actually make the effort as uncomfortable as it might be to close the loop, you know, that's where the value really kicks in. And one thing I love about the industry is that the influencers in this industry are so nice, so down to earth, so welcoming. You know, for example, the people on that panel that night, um, there were quite a few hairdressers in, in, in the community. And uh, after the, the talk was done, they would go up there and, and talk to you guys. And you and Gordon Miller uh, at American Salon at the time um, and Carlos, everybody was so happy to talk to everybody in the audience. You know, these aren't, you guys aren't like you celebrities. Better you better be. Right? I was these taught are... that, you know, in the beginning of my career as an educator. Yeah. I mean, it's so valuable. And, and this industry has that. I mean, the, some of the most influential people in this industry, it, 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 they're so open to everybody. Like if you look at the movie business, you know, Brad Pitt is not open to, to meeting Joe Blow on the street. Right. But in this industry, everybody is so accessible. And that's one of the things I love about it. Well, I, le I learned from the best. You know, John Paul DeJoria was my, my boss, my leader 
and my mentor my entire life mm -hmm. from when I was 20 years old. And um, shout out to JP. That helps. And uh, he is, to this day, you know, he wasn't a billionaire back then. Yeah. You know, um, he was a hardworking entrepreneur. He was a smart man and very kind. And mm -hmm. in 2017, he is still a hardworking, smart, mm -hmm. kind human. And um, you're never too fucking important to be nice to people. Totally. I, I, I hope that, um, that when I do connect with my audience, my community, my tribe offline, that they feel how important they are to me. Absolutely. So get off the couch. You know, pay attention to what events are come happening in the, the city. Yeah, <laughs> come visit the loft. You know, pay attention to what's going on in the industry. Get off the couch. Go. Even if you don't really know what value it's going to have. Right? But if you, like, if you know that somebody's going to be there that you really, really admire, go introduce yourself and have a great conversation with that person. Well, that, that's where like, great value comes from. You know, you know, it's so interesting that you're talking about, we're talking about showing up. And, and I didn't, I don't think you know this story, but my second month of beauty school, I got on a bus and took a bus from Washington, D.C. to New York City and attended the International Beauty Show in New York. And within the first... Were, were you with friends or did you just do it? There are people from my school, okay. but I went straight off on my own. I, oh. I, I, I didn't hang out with anybody. I just walked onto the show floor and I saw these people and um, it was the Paul Mitchell people. Mm. And I, at that moment, my entire career had, was made for me. And it was all because I, I, I showed up. And then the rest of my time in beauty school, I kept showing up. And I would show up at hair shows. I would stalk them. I traveled mm. all around the Mid-Atlantic. What was it about them? That was, I just thought some... they were cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like um, black and white. Yeah. And the artists, the platform artists were so cool. <laughs> you know? And they all had really like hip hairstyles. And I loved how they dressed. And I don't know. It was an energetic connection. Mm. Um, obviously, I, 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 I'm a very spiritual person. I, I, it was clearly meant to be that I bumped into them. So there were certainly lots of people I could have bumped into yeah. that day, but uh, it, showing up made my career. Yeah, if you don't get off the couch, that would never would have happened, right? No, So no. you kept getting off the couch. I kept and, getting and, off the couch. And you, you probably introduced yourself to a lot of them over these And know, I events. worked my ass off mm -hmm. and I shampooed in bathtubs and you know hotel sinks and I, I, I did whatever I needed to do, whatever it took to, um, to do what I love, and I still do. Yeah, that's you know? amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate you listening to this episode of The Hair Game more than you can believe. Please share it and give us a review so we know how we're doing. Check out our video content on SalonRepublic.com and our Instagram, at SalonRepublic. Love you guys.